Hey there, welcome to episode 21. Today's episode is Accountability, The Amazon Way, and I'm interviewing the author of the book, The Amazon Way, John Rossman. It is a great interview. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and I'm excited about what you're going to get out of out of the discussion that we had. You're going to get an inside look into how Amazon creates accountability in their organization. You're going to, John shares uh, three Amazon leadership principles that you can use to create more accountability. He's going to share the number one thing every leader at Amazon obsesses about. It might not be what you think. And he's going to share three actions every leader can take to create more accountability for themselves, their team, and their organization. You're going to find out why social cohesion is the enemy of accountability. A lot of good takeaways from today's podcast and information that you're going to be able to put into practice immediately. So let's get started. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hi there, my name is Susie Price. I am from Priceless Professional Development, a professional facilitator, consultant, and author, and your host at the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast. Priceless Professional Development has been in business for 12 years, and we focus on building energy, communication, and commitment in organizations. A lot of the work that I do is around employee selection. I've written a book about that, How to Hire Superior Performers. I use an assessment process called Trimetrics that really drills down into how a person uh, performs and then matches how they may perform to a benchmark. And we use that in selection, and we also use it for leadership development. And so I get involved in in the tools for leaders. And that's why I'm excited about this podcast today, because you're going to get some tools that you can immediately use for building accountability, which is a challenge for many leaders and many organizations. So if you want to review the show notes for today's podcast, you can find them at pricelessprofessional.com slash Amazon. And that's all lowercase. Again, the title for today's podcast is Accountability, the Amazon Way. And I'm interviewing John Rossman, the author of the book, The Amazon Way. So The Amazon Way, 14 Leadership Principles Behind the World's Most Disruptive Company. In that book, he takes us through the unique corporate culture of Amazon, one of my favorite companies. I feel like, um, you know, I'm on, on my iPad or iPhone or computer ordering something from them on a regular basis. The UPS guy and I are really tight because I see him all the time. Uh, what John talks about in the book is you just get an inside look into how the leaders lead in the organization. And he talks about 14 leadership principles that guide the company and it help those leadership principles help the company and its leaders make decisions. So he's an author of that book. And that's a lot of, we talk a little bit about that in, in the interview or a lot about that in the interview. But he's got amazing experience in addition to his work at Amazon. He was, while he was at Amazon, he was the director of merchant integration. So he launched the merchants program where it's a B2B network of thousands of people and companies offering products to Amazon. 
So he was around when they kicked that off, and that was what he did, one of the pieces of what he did. And then he became the director of enterprise services, where he managed enterprise clients like Target, Toys R Us, Sears, and many, many more. He has been for the last 11 years at Alvarez and Marcel, a global professional services firm, and they work on operational performance improvement, turnaround, interim management, and tax and business advisory services. So John has 24 years of technology strategy, design implementation, and operating experience. He's an expert in digital disruption, and he helps clients build and execute new business models. So when clients want to scale, improve e-commerce, digital or technology operations, they call John. And he's also a speaker. He spoke this past spring uh, 2015 here in Atlanta at the Technology Association of Georgia conference around disruptive innovation. And I was not able to make that event, but I heard great things about John's keynote. So what he comes in and talks about are how to move faster, how to create customer obsession, how to have a leaner approach to innovation. And if you want to move faster and you want create to create customer in- obsession and you want to have innovation, who, what company doesn't need or want that? A lot of that stems from accountability, having everybody in the organization do what needs to be done, own their job, committed to the business, committed to success, and and that's how you go faster, and that's how you create customer obsession. So our topic on accountability is right on track in regard to helping companies um, move faster, be more profitable. I want to give you John's contact information. I'll also share it again at the end of the interview or the end of this podcast. It's uh, on Twitter. He's at, at John E. Rossman, and it's R-O-S-S-M-A-N. His blog is on-amzn.com, and his email address is John E. Rossman at gmail.com. So to find his blog, you might want to type in his name or go to our show notes so you can see how the how the blog address is listed. Pricelessprofessional.com slash Amazon is where our show notes are. So let's get started with our, our interview. Right, I am so excited to have John Rothman here. John, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. So so appreciate your time and the wisdom that you're going to share with us today about accountability, and we're going to get right to that. But before we do, we wanted to do some fun questions just so that we could get to know you a little bit better. Everybody's already heard about your uh, background and how the strength that you bring to the business world, uh, but let's learn some fun things about you. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your favorite Guilty Pleasure TV show? What would that be? Yeah, well, there's there's a few, but I think um, my family, uh, we really like to watch American Idol, and I think that we've enjoyed that over a number of years, and I think the energy and the talent is amazing, and the direct feedback and coaching that they get from the judges, I think, is improved. It's, it's uh, a little less sarcastic now. I, I like the current judges and, and everything, and I think that's a fun, a fun show. So we watch. We are pretty dedicated to American Idol. I'll be sad to see it leave after this. Season, I know. So. I so you're saying that, and I'm sitting here smiling, nodding my head. I'm I'm the American Idol geek in my family. It's like everybody, be quiet. It's on. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, they uh, the feedback part is amazing to watch those young people with feedback. It's just a, such a witness to if people if people hear how they're doing, even sometimes when it hurts, and you can do it in a way more pleasurable than they used to do or more pleasant, um, people improve. It's amazing. That and and you really do see you know the professionalism that you know, the judges have and, you know, just the hard work. I mean, that's what they always talk about is talent's great, but just that continued hard work of working at your craft uh, and everything is really, really important. Um, You know, one of my favorite movies actually is a documentary that Jerry Seinfeld did um, a few years ago. And the movies um, uh, about him reinventing his entire um, stand-up um, routine, and so he decides to, he's going to scrap everything, build everything up from scratch, and how hard he had to work at that. And he he called it, you know, you just have to go to the sweaty gym, and so uh-huh. he would go to these nightclubs and just work at his new routine, and it would fail and fail and fail. And you know, this is the one of the best performers in the world, and I and I thought that was a really powerful. Uh, message just like you know the world's best make it look easy but you you forget about the the work that they put into it and and um i i have to continue to remind myself to do that so yeah i think i even read somewhere where seinfeld had a big calendar and he would mark every day that he practiced or, or I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's oh, similar to that. It's just, it doesn't he, had, he had a big calendar yeah. and he wouldn't let a day go by that he did not practice because he knew it was, you know, the, what you just said about building your craft and always, always improving. And it does make it look simple. I want to see that movie. I just made a note. Yeah. You don't remember the name of it, do you? You'd think but, I would since I reference it here, but, uh, but that's okay. it's, it's probably just Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's great. And it ties into our theme, accountability, because if we don't get feedback on how we're doing, um, that uh, putting your nose to the grindstone and continue your craft, you can get complacent or content, and uh, that's the way we improve, right? Exactly. So it was supposed to be a fun question, but we turned it into our subject. <laughs> but that's good, too. Uh, it, it, what is your favorite possession? Another fun question. What's your favorite well, possession? You know, um, you, you know, so we, um, my boys are in high school, and we've never had a dog. And um, about six months ago, we decided that this was going to be a good time. And so... We got a French bulldog puppy by the name of Boss, and boss? I would say Boss exactly. Uh, boss Man actually is the uh, <laughs> is his full name, uh, which has a funny story behind it. But um, but uh, that little guy has been so funny and such a great addition to our family, and he's a pain in the rear. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's it, it, that I would say. I don't know if that counts as a possession, but. Um, boss is right up there. He's a pretty funny guy. Yeah. How big is Boss Man? He's about boss? 12 pounds right now. So he's seven months old and so still growing and, you know, probably get up to be 18 pounds okay. or so. Oh, fun. Yeah. 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 And puppies are like having babies in your house a little bit. 
Oh, you have no kidding. Yeah, a few <laughs> nights like that. But he, he's he's really figured it out, and we figured it out uh, and stuff. So it, it it came and went pretty quickly, the real painful part of it. so Yeah, that's good. That's good. Fun. French Bulldogs are adorable, too. Any puppy's adorable, but they're they, particularly They adorable. do have a great demeanor. He really is, uh, you know, he's not the smartest dog in the world. I'll say that much, but he's really got a, a great demeanor and very playful and Sleeps about Aww. eighteen hours a day, and so yeah, it's <laughs> pretty funny. So he's growing; he's got to get his rest. Exactly. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, those are great. We, we love American Idol, and we want to see pictures of Boss Man or Boss. Okay. Okay. So let's get to you as a leader and talk a little bit about that. And we'll start with maybe the harder question first, and that is you sharing a little bit about a challenging moment as a leader and what it taught you about our subject today, about accountability. Well, the one that I was thinking about was um, actually an early client of mine at Alvarez and Marcel, and it was a restructuring client. So it was um, a, a company that was going through crisis. A&M was engaged in helping that client kind of through its, its financial situation, and one of our restructuring leaders was the chief restructuring officer. And um, they they forgot to communicate kind of a major change to me. They were shutting down a bunch of stores and everything. And I was the interim CIO for the client. And um, shutting down the stores created a bunch of challenges with the data flows and the reports and the payroll and things like that. And so I got called up to to – uh, uh, our, my partner's office. And he was, he was like, you know, John, what happened? And I, and I said, well, you know, our systems barely run forward. They really don't run backwards very well. Um, it would have been nice to have a little, um, you know, proactive communication on this. And he goes, well, in three weeks, we're shutting down a couple hundred more stores. And he leaned forward and he says, I'm going to need to see some of that world-class problem-solving skill of yours. And so we just really had to rally um, around that. It was really important uh, to the business to be able to make those changes. And um, and we had to figure it out. Uh, and it was a kind of national team. And, and we just really had to, to rally around that and get it done. And so I think that that was... Um, a, you know, a challenging moment. And it really talked about, you know, to me about accountability, which is oftentimes an accountability. It's not a situation that you made, but you still have to own it. And I didn't make that situation. Um, I could have easily just like, hey, you know, uh, I didn't make the situation and no way on earth, but it's like, you know what, let's, let's, uh, give it the best efforts we can. And, and, you know, myself and my team, we really owned that situation and it was, it, we had a great outcome and it was a lot of fun kind of throughout because we just took it as a, as a great challenge. Yeah. Well, it's, it sounds like it was a really big challenge and the fact that you had a good outcome or a great outcome was amazing. Yeah, and one of the side benefits was I, at that point, I really didn't understand how all the data flows and the systems connected and things like that. And, and that process, like, you know, we really learned how things operated there. So there was a real side benefit to having to dig in and dive deep on it. Yeah. Yeah. Out of contrast is always clarity, no matter what it is. You know, so there's trouble down the road here, but uh, we dig into it. There's something good that's going to come out of it. 
And that's exactly that's what right. happened there. Yeah, more insight. Uh, yeah. That's right. Great. So I like what you said. It's not a situation. It's often not a situation you made, but you have to own it. Exactly. And I think that um, you see so many times where people, they've been trained, you know, like, okay, if, if, if this doesn't come off well, I'm still going to be accountable. And with that kind of half commitment throughout the situation. And, you know, I think the best, you know, leaders are, you know, they do a nice job of kind of level setting the situation, uh, understanding it. And, but at, at a certain point, they just commit to it. And there's no more hesitation. There's no more kind yep. of pointing fingers. There's no more, hey, you know, hesitation or hedging. Well, I didn't make this situation or whatever. It's just like, yeah. you know, I own it, you know, and and that's when you really know you have somebody that you can trust on a hard topic is when they don't, you know, put all these caveats around it and, and remind you every day of the background and remind you that they didn't create the situation and all those other things. They just focus on kind of what's what's coming up and what's forward. Yeah, so no finger pointing, no blaming, full-on, right, committed, right. we're solving it now. That's right. You know, I I have this, uh, I always use this um, mantra of, you know, I, I, I try not to drive looking at the rearview mirror. I only drive at, at the windshield, you know, and everything, right? And so just focus on what's coming up and not all the prior history. That gets to be pretty redundant after a certain point. Yeah. And it's interesting. There's a skill that we measure in the assessments that I use, and I talk about it all the time, is personal accountability. And when someone mm -hmm. is high in it, we have found that high performers have that. This, you know, When we do the assessments and then we go look at high performers, they all, one characteristic in common is high personal accountability, and that is that ability to not uh, to switch from the problem to move to the solution, no finger-pointing, um, just, okay, now, there's no time spent covering up, making excuses, just, okay, now let's move forward. And what you said, like, looking forward, don't look in the rearview mirror. So that that's, uh, I like what you said about don't put caveats on it, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, and it, there's a place and a time for that, right? But yeah. when every answer starts with, you know, let me remind you, blah, 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 blah. I didn't create the situation, all these dependencies, all these other aspects or whatever. It's like, you know, too often that gets repeated and reminded. It's like once, once in a while, fantastic. But if if you continually do that, you're, you're telling everybody else there's an excuse yeah. on why we're not going to be successful here or whatever, right? And that, you know, sometimes that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yep. And, yeah, so the example, and I, I think about in your book, I've been listening to the Amazon Way on audible.com. I've kind of gone back and forth between my Kindle and when I'm in my car, and it's like no holds barred with Jeff Bezos and other people at Amazon, and that whole culture was – if it's if it's not working, you better own up quick because if you don't, somebody else is going to own it up for you <laughs> and put well, you on the spot. Those are not your words. That's my. It's like okay, and so it caused people to say, okay, that was wrong. Let's fix it, right? Well, that and and owning dependencies well beyond your current scope. And you know there was uh, you know one discussion in the book. Um, it was in the opening chapter. Um, yep just about where 
you know, uh, I had, I ran kind of launching third party sellers at Amazon and we had just had our inaugural launch before Christmas and it was right after Christmas. And, you know, Jeff asked me how many have we launched since the new year? And I started uh-huh. to explain to caveat why there had <laughs> yeah. been a very low number and he, he, he lit into me, but it was in front of an entire group. And the lesson was, you know, your scope or your accountability isn't just defined by like the scope. You need to put pressure and work with others. What I want out of you, John, is I want thousands of merchants. I don't want reasons why there aren't thousands of merchants. And it's like, you know, that was a culture that let you operate well beyond kind of maybe the job title that you had. And that's, and that was the lesson that I got there was like, all right, I am not going to let, I'm not going to be dependent upon others. Um, We're going to, I'm going to go upstream and downstream to make sure that we can launch thousands of merchants. I'm going to own my dependencies. I love the way you say that. An essential uh, moment for me. Yeah. And I hear so much about, about that, that moment of like, oh my God, you know, and everything. It's like, that was a highlight to me and everything, right? Like people yeah. spend years and pay thousands of dollars for educations like that, you know, and I got it handed to me, you know, right there in 10 minutes. And so I, it was a real highlight for me and, and that's how it was in, intended um, in the book. Yep. Yeah. That's how I took it. And I like what you just said. It's, it was almost like, and I don't know if these are your exact words, but it gave me permission to go upstream and downstream to get done what I needed to get done. Because too often people think, well, this is just my job and I can't go upstream or downstream. But really, you have more bandwidth than you think. And he was giving you the bandwidth, basically. Go do it. Yeah, one of the things that Amazon does well, and I know a few other organizations that do this well, is they don't let the organization structure get in the way of ownership and ownership is the ability to have own an outcome, but, but it's not narrowly defined as just within like your organization structure or the teams that you manage or whatever. It's like you own it regardless of organization structure. And I think that's a um, really important cultural um, aspect for, for high performing, fast moving, innovative companies is don't let your org structure get in the way of doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, if that were to shift, that would shift so many things in so many companies. It's a mindset oh, shift yeah. uh, in a big way, but um, it starts with those kind of examples like what you're just talking about. I, I mean, I know cultures that, that really – People only know how to manage that way of, of like, you know, I own this. I carefully position yeah. other dependencies that I'm on. And, and the whole game is basically just, you know, not being the one, you know, holding the hot potato at the end of the day. Stuff, <laughs> right. And yeah. um, it, 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 it's, it's a real skill set. You know, like that's all I can come away with and everything. Yeah. So. Yeah. And there's such a lack of intensity around that. It's intensity, but like skewed in the wrong direction and focused on the wrong thing. If you're focused on not being the last one holding the hot potato, as opposed to being, you know, let's get results, let's let's move it, let's make it happen. There's a different intensity. That's, that's right. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Awesome. How about we go to the next question? And it's the most rewarding moment as a leader and what it taught you about accountability. 
Well, there's been a, a lot of things. I, I'd say, honestly, one of some of my my most rewarding moments have seen been able to have a positive impact and seeing other people's careers grow because of the business that we've built together, you know, and stuff. So I've had the opportunity to to um, you know help make other partners in our firm and just impact careers. So that that is probably in my career, the most rewarding thing. But, you know, I'd say the book, The Amazon Way, has been tremendously rewarding because of just some of the unsolicited feedback I've I've gotten in how it's, um, you know, impacted some people and some teams. And I, I never expected that, ever ah. expected that. And I mean, I've had, I had a lady who runs a set of orphanages down in Africa, reach out uh, to me and just like, you know, I was, I was having to figure out how to scale my leadership style. And you just kind of gave me some great tools and formula to run that by. I had a, uh, a, a leader who runs a big industrial uh, conglomerate. Um, I, he, he, he got the book, he read it, he reached out to me. I did a kind of a, a session of facilitation with his team. And then he came back to me a year later and just said, you know, John, we had a great year. And, you know, that was one of the big turning points in how we operated together as a team was that, and, you know, just, just countless, uh, stories like that. So that's been, that's been really cool. Impact, impact. That's awesome. And to think that you really, your idea for the book just came out of a colleague saying, you know, you ought to write those down. <laughs> and look yeah, where yeah. yeah, exactly. And it was really um, two people. Um, one was a client. Um, and then one was uh, was Tom Elsenbrook, who runs our consulting practice. And Tom was the one who, after we had done kind of an all-day session with a client, and I was just basically all day long answering the questions. It was kind of a, a Q&A exercise where they kind of posed their hardest questions to us. And we brought in some of our operators. And all day long, I was just answering like, well, here's how Amazon would think about it. Here's how Jeff would react to that. Here's, you know, blah, blah. And afterwards, Tom just like, you know, John, that was you, you really should write a book on that. And uh, and so, yeah, it was it was kind of like two trusted people. And I knew the stories I wanted to tell and, um, you know, pulled the team together and and uh, got it done. And it was a, it was pretty simple to do because I knew the stories that I, I wanted to tell because I used them with my clients and and um, that's where they came from. I had practiced them for a long time. It's been it's been over 10 years now since I left. Amazon. It. I started writing the book. It had been about seven years after I left Amazon, and so I had a big period of practice where I was just using these stories and and writing them down and getting good at them. Um, and so it was a pretty simple book for me to write because I'm I'm not a writer. Well, it was. It's great to to listen to and read. There, there are stories and insights, and uh, Amazon and myself, we're one. You know, like we're like I have a personal relationship with them. <laughs> Not really, but you know, I feel like probably a lot of people. You're know, like, that's my company, man. I order something from them every other minute. You know, uh, me and the UPS. Yeah, they guy are they friends. they are they have really got. The, That's amazing. You know, reducing customer friction, high trust, high dependency, high predictability yep. down. Um, they, they, they've really. And, and you know, the great thing is, is they don't rest on their laurels. Like they continue 
to improve even the little things, right? Yeah. Um, just yep. the little edges as well as the big things, and yep. and they just they are relentless. In fact, a lot most people don't know this, but the original name of Amazon was Relentless.com. Oh, oh that's interesting. That, that word describes their culture more than anything is they are relentless. They just never say this is good enough. No matter how good it is, it can scale better. You can get costs out of it. You can, you know, uh, it's either scale or costs, you know, or more impact to it. And it's just never good enough, which on one hand can drive you nuts sometimes. But on the other hand, like, that's a tremendously exciting type of, of culture to be part of. That is interesting. And it is relentless. Yeah. And uh, I am such a huge fan, so your book is completely enjoyable. I think it would be to any business person. Uh, but on top of that, if you use Amazon a lot, it's delightful to hear the behind the scenes. You know, and I just, just, just two days ago tweeted about a very positive customer experience I had through Amazon. I thought about you because, like, yep, that's what he's talking about, customer obsession. You know, obsess over right. your customer because they do. So, and yep. I, it's, it's just and, 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 and that was my go. whole intent of the book was to to talk about the lessons and the attributes and the mechanics and the tactics and the strategies yep. that a company like Amazon uses and what other leaders can gain from it, you know, and everything, yeah. right? So it wasn't, it wasn't um, you know, as uh, somebody told me, it's not a kiss and tell book about Amazon, no. right? It's, it's, no. it's about what other leaders can take from Amazon and everything. Well, and as proof in, uh, I don't know where the orphanage was, where you said if it was Africa, somebody has a team in uh, Africa benefited as well as an industrial conglomerate uh, benefit benefit from the book. So I mean, it's just that's exactly what your intentions were are playing out, which is awesome. So let's let's go now into talking about. Um, building account culture of accountability. And what I'd like to do is many leaders are struggling with this. In fact, uh, that's what started me. I'm doing four podcasts on accountability, like a little mini series, and it came out of a conversation with a client. Uh, I was getting re- I'm getting ready to do something with their executive team, and uh, I was talking to him. He is the uh, one of the top executives, and he said, you know, I just think we need to get better at accountability. He said, I need to get better at it. Uh, my, my team needs to get better at it, but my team needs to help their team get better at it even more. You you know, what does it look like? What does it sound like? And so that's what some of these podcasts have been about. So why don't, since you've experienced it, some people have not actually been in such a culture. Um, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What are the benefits? Uh, tell us about well, 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 that. Well, well, first, just to make sure I'm on point here, tell me a little bit about what you mean by accountability. So accountability, ownership, especially what my client was talking about in that particular conversation, ownership of your job, um, what you were talking about earlier about upstream, downstream, um, looking forward, not backward, doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Okay. All of that, you know. So what happens, like in this particular company, they're fast moving and they're in an industry that's very service oriented and. Uh, young young people in different positions and really trying to um, young and and you know all ages but really trying to figure out people shy away from having the tough conversations 
Right. Or they have a tough conversation and then they get so busy they don't get to follow up uh, or like they intend to. And so it's just not as strong. It's definitely a good situation, but there's uh, more growth there. Perfect. So, you know, I I think of it of accountability across a set of kind of um, habits and techniques, some individual, some as a as a as a manager or as a peer and some as kind of a team. And so when I think of individual ones, you know, the I've always wanted to to be known for you know, straight talk and being dependable. That's yeah. if I think about like what's my personal brand, I think that that's that's what I've always strived for in my personal brand and I fail every day, but, but that's what I strive for. I got to work um, at Arthur Anderson um, early in my career and I learned a ha- an everyday habit there that is just, is just critical, I think. And that is every day I write out my to-do list and it's a bullet point list. Like at, at, at Arthur Anderson, they actually had a, a form. I think it was like a PT 120 or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, but just that daily habit of writing out your priorities. Today, you see a lot of that used with um, agile processes, which is, you know, people have their own personal Kanban system. That's basically a to-do list. So in whatever form or fashion, understanding like your daily priorities and not getting distracted or being thoughtful and meaningful about, you know, what am I working on and when does something shift on the list and everything that's, that's a, a, I think just a skill and a way of, of, of working and of life that I think is, is really important. And one of the things that I think about when I'm, when I have a manager, you know, working with me for me and everything is, 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 and I'll, I'll tell him this is everything is like, um, so here's our here's our mutual agreement here. I'll manage my to-do list. You manage your to-do list. And where this is going to fail is if I have to be managing your to-do list. And so <laughs> if if we if we talk about something and we go, you're going to do something. My expectation is I never have to think about that again, you know, and everything. You own it. And it doesn't mean that issues aren't going to happen or, you know, problems aren't going to come up and talk to me when those things do. But unless you do, I'm not worried about it and everything. Right. And so just having that that trust of, you know, when you got it, you got it uh, and everything is is really important. And, you know, just a daily to do list is an important aspect um, from a team level. Um, I think orienting around. Um, metrics and instrumentation is a great way to help create a culture of and a practice of accountability. And a lot of companies and teams, you know, have metrics, but where I I often find weaknesses are on kind of three different um, levels. One is that the metrics don't they don't have a hierarchy to them. Um, so they, they, they don't, they, they don't have a logical flow. And so say your business is like, I do order fulfillment and the top level of that should have a metric around fulfilling orders, but then there's sub process to that, right? You have to get the order. You have to pick it. You have to manage the inventory. You have to ship it on time. It has to be the right things that are in the package. 
Each of those should have a metric. And then each of those have substeps to them. And so that, that, that one process has this hierarchy of metrics. And teams don't think through that carefully crafted aspect of a hierarchy of metrics to measure their business. And one of the things that Amazon, like they spend more time thinking and agreeing on how do we measure the success of a service, a team, a business, a project than almost anything else. Because if they get the metrics right and they have a good leader, they don't need to pay as much attention to the team. They can let the team or the project run with less bureaucracy, right? And so being really thoughtful about what those metrics are is is an important aspect. I think the, uh, the next thing that I find where teams are, are typically a little bit weak is they don't, once they have the metrics, they don't create some type of weekly rhythm around reviewing those metrics, right? And there's actually like, you learn a lot about the business by every week with a group going through the same metrics every single week. Like you, you get to understand what's going on with the numbers much deeper if you do it in a consistent way. And so um, some of my clients do this really well. Amazon does this really well is this thoughtful set of, of typically metric, weekly metrics meetings to review a consistent set of metrics and why are they up? Why are they down? And, and when the metrics are thoughtfully constructed, like I described in this hierarchy, it gives you the ability to kind of zoom up, zoom down really quickly um, as, you, as you go through those metrics. And then the third piece really comes to the accountability. And what I learned at Amazon was every metric is owned by one person regardless of whether they have full organizational control of it, right? And so that ownership mantra kind of comes in. And so make sure that there's somebody who actually owns that metric, regardless of whether they own all the inputs or the dependencies for making that metric successful. Because if there's not an owner for it, it's going to, you know, the ownership ends up being very diffused. And at some point at a very senior level where, where it's not appropriate for them to be, owning that singular metric. And so ha making sure that it's really clear who owns the metric. Um, and if you have that, you know, thoughtful weekly process and the metrics are thoughtfully engineered or constructed in a hierarchical manner, you can really create that culture of accountability and thoughtfulness in the business and it won't seem like work. Mm. Everybody knows what's expected. And everybody's focused on that. I always call that a dashboard, too. You, you don't look at everything in your car. You look at the dials in front of you, and those are things to focus on. So if the metrics are very thoughtful, then people are, all, are focusing all that on all that, and then they know that there's going to be a follow-up every week. So it, just, it, it, it really does create focus and urgency. It, it does. And I mean, it, you know, what, you know, the great leadership mantras of, of, you know, the world, you know, if you can't measure it, you can't manage yeah. it. And, and I think managed, that's, that, right, or something. Yeah, yep. that's, that's very, um, that's very true. And so this, this is a, uh, that, that focus on instrumentation and metrics, I think is a great way to build dependency or uh, build accountability and ownership um, within teams. And, and then I think, um, you know, organizationally, I, I, we've already touched on this a little bit, but that that perspective of, you know, managing dependencies and, um, you know, dependencies 
you know, our, our aspects, teams, vendors, other factors that you lean on to get your results. And at, at Amazon, what I noticed was good leaders manage their dependencies much differently than what I would see leaders manage how they manage their dependencies in other places. And so, you know, imagine you're working on a project, big project, lots of work streams, lots of teams. And, um, you know, think about those status meetings, especially if it's with a team or project manager that doesn't report into you. Right. And so, you know, the conversation, Hey, how are things going? Oh, everything's green. And that's, that's typically the extent at which, people would dive into things, right? Until all of a sudden they're, they're not green. There's, there's uh, yeah. a misunderstanding. Something goes yellow to red, you know, and everything. Right. And then, and then what do you do? It's like, Hey, you know, I had this dependency, this team didn't, didn't deliver. That's not acceptable at Amazon. Um, and so what you found leaders doing was managing those dependencies in a much different way. And, so when when another team would would show up and they would say, "Hey, everything's green," you'd go fantastic, you know, and then you'd dive into it, right? That was just that was just a welcoming uh, sentence, you know, and everything. That's right? like and hello. So you, now let's get to that, it. Right? It is. It really is. Yeah. It's like hello. Yeah. I'm ready to talk now, right? And, right. And so everyone would dive into other people's projects and their dependencies much deeper. And so this whole trust, but verify um, mindset was put into place. And the great thing is, is that when everybody does that, then people don't take it personally, you know, and everything, right? Because part of the problem is if you start diving into other people's businesses, like, well, I don't report into you or whatever, like, you know, do you not trust me? But, But when you give and you and you you promote that. Hey, this is how we're going to operate, and don't take it personally. And if everybody starts doing that, then well, yeah, this isn't this isn't personal. This is just how we manage better together as a team. And you're making me better, and I'm going to do the same back when I have a dependency with you. And this is just how we operate together. Yeah. And and so that whole dependency management was much much deeper. Um, at, at Amazon and, you know, you'd always put SLAs on any type of operational dependency, internal or external, didn't matter. You would, you know, just... What did you say, SLA? Oh, uh, service level agreement. So these are... Service these level are, agreement, SLA. Okay, these gotcha. Are, these are commitments, um, sometimes contractual, doesn't matter, but these are the commitments of... You know, you're using my service, you're using my product, you're using my team, you're using my capability. This is what I'm going to commit to you on, you know, on time, availability, speed, uh, yeah. cost, you know, those yeah. things, right? And and turning every operational dependency and having an SLA around it, again, is a great way to manage your dependencies better even with internal service providers. And again, when, and this is why this is an organizational topic because the leaders have to have to say and give permission. Everyone's going to operate this way. So don't get your feelings hurt when people are diving deep into your business. Right. Um, And why it's hard for just one person to start doing, acting this way, because, you know, they will be, 
they'll they'll rock the you know the social equation uh, within the company, right? And it's like, well, who's this person to be yeah. you know asking for so much uh, information and treating me like I have a contract with them and everything, right? It has to be that permission and setup has to be done from the top. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I like how you break that down. The personal is know what your priorities are. The team level is you know the metrics and instrumentation, and you have a have a have a hierarchy, have a weekly rhythm, and you know make sure it's owned. Whatever the metric is, make sure it's owned by one person. So that makes so much sense. And then organizationally, we've got to give permission. It's interesting to me. Uh, Oftentimes, if I'm talking to an individual leader, it could be a small business owner. It could be, you know, the SVP of HR for an organization, and they'll be kind of on the side talking about somebody who's not performing, and I'll say, do they understand what's expected? They're like, yeah, I think so. Are you sure? How do you know? That's usually like that, you know. And then if you're talking to the employee, do you understand what's expected? Do you know how success is measured? And then be like, well, not really. You know, so it's a breakdown that you see a lot, or I do. I don't know if you see a lot or if it's just because I do a lot of the human resource type work, um, but it seems prevalent. It does, and I think um, the other thing is that um, teams and people get peanut buttered or spread across so <laughs> many different um, topics that, that that weakens the ability to get something hard done. And so one of the tricks of Amazon is they really try to break things down into small teams and assign people to those teams on a full-time basis because yeah. – because that lets them focus, or a, a big word at Amazon is obsessed. It lets them obsess on that. Uh, yeah. And and it lets you hold them much more accountable. Like, hey, this is this is what this is the only thing you have to focus on. You know, and everything, yeah. right? And so, no doubt, there are teams and individuals who are spread across lots of things. But but they really try to to create small teams, and you know that's. That's why startups are successful, right? Because small yeah. teams have the ability to move faster, less bureaucracy. They have more right. fun. Um, they can move just a Great lot synergy faster, with right? us. Yep, yep. Exactly. And so, you know, the way to create an entrepreneurial spirit within a company is create small teams and, and give them accountability to make, you know, the right thing happen. Yep. And if you are, say, I'm uh, thinking of one particular small business that I know of, uh, good people committed, they're committed to the leader, but the leader is always saying, nobody takes ownership. They always turn to me, you know, so there's a whole lot of things going on there. But one of them is uh, they don't understand what's expected. There are no metrics. And it's right. kind of a resistance to create those. And I've got a little simple process that I use that works perfectly for a you know small team or whatever. And it's not, and and it seems like it sometimes to my maybe it's how I'm communicating it. Maybe it's just I don't know. Sure, but the um, interest in taking the time to create those metrics is kind of like yeah yeah yeah. 
there's not oh, yeah. a passion about it like we're having a passionate talk about it. I feel passionate about oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's not really there. I mean, how do you? Yeah. what do you think about that? Is that something I'm doing, or what do you think? Or do you see that, too? Oh, I, or? oh my God. I mean, that's the number one thing is, is, oh, good. is I get I get lip service. I get lip service from leaders like, yeah, I want to make this type of change, and I'll say, great, all we're going to focus on is metrics. And yeah. they'll go, they'll kind of go, okay. And then, you know, a week later, you know, they're, they're, we're onto another topic. It's like, no, 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 this is a journey. This isn't, this isn't a one week thing. And, and yeah. we are truly going to make metrics the number one way that we manage this business. Yeah. And, and that's where the, you know, the tone from the top on that is essential. Everything. And yeah. especially, especially if you're having to change the course on this, right? If you come from a, a culture of strong metrics, then that's a, you know, completely different situation. But if you yeah. are trying to make a change, you know, you have to fight that resistance and you have to yeah. fight, you know, the lack of movement on this. Right. And so you just have to make it, you know, you know, every topic starts with metrics, metrics, yeah. metrics, and we don't do anything without the metrics. And we make that more important than anything else. That's yeah. what it takes to change culture around something is, you know, yeah. it has to be glaringly made obvious that, you know, this is the only way we're going to do things. And, you know, what I love about metrics or the process that I, I do called a dashboard is it's exactly what you talked about earlier. It's not personal. You know, so now right. we've had a conversation, and you've you got the people involved in creating some of those metrics and the measurements and what's important. And so it's not personal when the gas gas gauge is empty. It's just, hey, gas gauge is towards empty. What's going on? You know, it's not personal well, are, anymore. And it's an easier conversation for nobody loves conflict. You know, nobody loves that. But it's right. a much easier conversation if you've done this, this quote-unquote hard work or what feels a little uninteresting. Um work yeah well you know i'm not a huge fan of those inspirational leadership posters you know and everything yeah. but the 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 one i love is uh the one that says uh in god we trust all others must bring data <laughs> yeah, i love that yeah i'll write that down this is great Okay, so I want to keep with this a, a good schedule. So I'm going to move on to the one of the about the four, 14 leadership principles, um, and there are I'll have the 14 leadership principles listed on the show notes of this episode, so you can glance at those if you're listening to this and want to see those. And of course, you can always uh, get John's book, The Amazon Way. But John, tell us about, there are 14 leadership principles that you talk about. Every one of them is valuable and interesting, but there are probably a couple that apply or tie closely to building a culture of accountability. Could you tell us what you think those are out of the 14 and uh, why they tie to accountability? Uh, sure. So um, as I was thinking about that question in reviewing the leadership principles, I think that um, number four, which is leaders are right a lot, comes to mind. And I think we've already talked a lot about a lot of the essence of that, which is, you know, metrics are one way that leaders are right a lot. Like they understand the details of what's going on. But it also talks about, you know, diving deep and um, really understanding the details. And one of the ways you do that is through great metrics. But, you know, really good leaders actually have to have, you know, 
the experience and the intuition to to know what's right and um, not just facilitate it um, out of others. And so I think that that's um, one. And then number eight, having a bias for action, um, which is, I think, especially when you're in a culture that's, you know, relentless and always moving forward is how to avoid, you know, know the right time of, you know, how to prepare, how to study, how to analyze a situation long enough, but not let that become the problem itself. And having that that bias for action as a leader, I think, is really important if you're going to be accountable for getting hard things done. And then um, leadership principle number 12, which is um, be vocally self-critical. And, you know, at Amazon, when there was an issue, you know, metric wasn't right, something happened or whatever, what you saw good leaders doing was first saying, this is why, you know, we failed um, on this. And they would have detailed understanding of why they failed. And 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 they would fillet themselves more than anybody else um, ever would. <laughs> yeah. But 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 what that did was, A, it demonstrated that they were on top of their business, like they understood yeah. what was going on and that they're yeah. taking accountability for fixing yeah. it. Two, two is when you act that way, it gives you the permission to then challenge others, right? And, and, um, and to ask hard questions of others. And I think that that's an important aspect of accountability is, is getting over that social cohesion, which doesn't allow you to be demanding of others and good teams, good leaders, they expect, and they demand, uh, I'll say perfection. I don't mean perfection. They, they demand accountability out of others. And but the way you do that is by demonstrating that and being vocally self-critical of yourself is one way to build that trust to be able to do that. And it, and it gives others the permissions to then say, yep, this is I why we that. failed. Yep. This is what we needed to do. And this is why yep. it didn't happen right. And this is what I'm going to do to fix it going forward. So those those three um, in particular. And then, you know, the last one is deliver results, which is just about accountability, right? And it really is yeah. like, you know, at, at a certain point in the organization, um, there's no excuses, right? And yep. I think I think the leaders have to pick where in that organization that level is. At Amazon, I think it was really at the director level. Um, like, you know, you didn't get to have excuses uh, and everything. Um, that that was the job was getting hard things done, and it didn't trickle up from there. And um, and so I think that that you know the last one is all about res- the right results and being accountable for them. Mm, yep. So I was writing quickly so many things that you said, and I will go back and listen, but one of the things you talked about, and I think it's a big piece, uh, uh, is getting over social cohesiveness, I think is how you said it. Do you recall what you said there? Uh, yeah, it, well, and, and Jeff Bezos uses that term a lot um, uh, about social cohesion, which is, cohesion. you know, it, 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 it's the tendencies for groups and individuals to not to want to get along right and to be uh-huh. friends and 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 that's that is one of the enemies I'll call it of accountability and holding others accountable is how do you do it in a way that's you know within a company socially acceptable to do that right yeah and that, i that's think all the point and, and so things like metrics 
and things yep. like making sure those metrics are owned by somebody. That's a, that's a nice and managing your dependencies in a consistent and deep way. Those are some of the little tricks of, you know, hey, we want to be friends. We want to be good colleagues. We want to be collaborative. But at the end of the day, we have to get hard things done. People have to be accountable for them. We have to be able to ask challenging questions. We don't want yep. group think going on. We want we want crisp, hard thinking going on. And and so you have to get over, you have to find the tricks to get over that social cohesion. Yep. That's a big piece of it, especially with young managers. Everybody wants to be liked. Uh, yeah. And and I've I've had a couple of, of leaders who read the Amazon Way reach out to me, and they 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 were like, you know, what we're suffering from is everybody just wants to get along so much. We, I, we <laughs> yeah. don't have accountability in our business, and the pendulum yeah. just swung, you know. And and you gave me some some nice ideas and some tricks yeah. and tools to help counterbalance that that. That yeah. collaborative, everybody wants to get along notion. Yeah. And I think with young leaders, often the thought is, okay, I'm either getting along with you or I'm, uh, yeah, I'm either dictator or uh, consensus builder. They don't understand that there's a lot in the middle there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, a good leader both gets hard results and holds people accountable for them and gets yeah. along well, right? And yeah. and you can do it. it, it yes. It, it, it's not easy though, right? The easy no. thing is to either demand hard results and be a jerk or get along with everybody but don't get the right results. Those are the easy yep. options that you have. Yep, those are easy. And and you it's, it's, hard, it's hard to do both. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and one or one or the other. Uh but right. yeah. That's the beauty of leadership. I mean, it's an unending journey of growth and and understanding and skill set. If you're smart, you're constantly working on that and finding that gray area. Um, I love this, the getting over social cohesion because I see that a lot. It's interesting. So out of the 14 principles, uh, what do you think had the biggest impact on your success? Well, um, out of the 14 principles, um, you know, I think having a bias for action yeah, and and you know, like usually your strengths, they can easily become your weaknesses at certain points, also, right? And right. and I I move things forward. Like um, I am not prone to overstudying things, and I I assess situations and you know move forward pretty crisply. And I think that that's. Um, that's done very, that orientation towards having a bias for action has, has, uh, has been my strength. Do you think you, as a young child, were you like that? Did you already have kind of, I'm an active or did that come up through your different experiences at Arthur Anderson and Amazon? Um, probably more developed, uh, versus, you know, always, uh, always a tendency in my life. So I probably developed that as, as, you know, my whole career has been about projects versus operations. And, and I've, and what I just learned was like, you know, I like to get new things done. I like to hit big milestones. I like to move things forward and I was good at it. And so I think I, I developed that, that, that bias for action. Mm-hmm. And you said it's a strength. How does it become a, a 
development opportunity, as we say in quotes, a development opportunity. <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I, I think when you rush into things, when you don't, um, I, I, I have to be careful about taking over a situation mm. and, and disempowering other leaders um, when, when that's not the, the optimal thing to do. And so I think at times I, I have to be willing to sit back and let things develop a little bit and maybe more do one-on-one, you know, coaching or feedback to somebody versus, you know, pushing it forward in a meeting, um, mm-hmm. for example, or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And is it, is it, uh with awareness, is it pretty easy for you to put it in neutral when you need to, or what do you say? Gotten easier over time, or <laughs> curious? Because I know a lot of very hard critic. driving power players who struggle critic, with that. You know, right? um, so yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I think I have um, uh, definitely aware of it for sure, and and um, have made progress on it. Uh, I think one of the um, I have a, 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 a friend and a mentor who I've worked with a lot at Alvarez and Marcel. And, you know, I, I've, I just, I like to get a lot done during the day. And so I'm well organized and, 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 and his feedback to me has always been, you know, John, you need to be comfortable with more unproductive time in your, in your day. And what that means is just, you know, not, letting everything become a transaction or moving things forward, you know, and stuff. Right. And so that's, that's where I've had to mature as a leader is just not always taking over situations. Mm, that's good insight. That's neat. Appreciate you sharing that. Cause I think many yeah, other people sure. listening to this can relate. <laughs> oh, that's great. So we're going to come to a close cause I've taken up already an hour, an hour or so of your time. Um, we're going to kind of close out with some advice, but we're going to do a couple of uh, thoughtful, more personal questions. Um, and the first one is, if you had to give advice to your 30-year-old self as a leader, what would you? What advice would you share? Well, uh, I, I kind of uh, spoiled that one. I was, um, other than eat less sugar, um, <laughs> I would say um, I, it, it was really um, – you know, have less, have, have more unproductive, productive time. And ah, there we go. And, and just don't, you, you know, that your greatest strengths often become, you know, greatest personal strengths at, at moment, especially as you grow in, as a leader and your influence grows in an organization, that strength can at times become, become your, your weakness in some circumstances. And it's just knowing where the edges are on that and everything. And so for me, it's just, it's just not always being the driver of an agenda or, or, um, you know, promoting the next steps or, you know, whatever it is and everything and just Mm -hmm. allowing others to do that. And so when you have more unproductive time, as your mentor suggested, uh, how do you feel? What do you get from it? How does it help you? Well, um, it's amazing what comes to you when you um, um, leave one hand open for opportunities, right? And so Uh, I love that um, thing, leave one hand open, yep. Yeah, and so, you know, I just find other ways that I can assist and help out 
um, our business and our clients or whatever. And so, you know, that's part of my role now in our firm and in our practice is, you know, I've dialed back my direct client responsibility as much. I help out others with their clients and relationships a little bit more. I, I get to do some things like this. Um, but a different set of opportunities comes to me and comes to the firm because of that. And so um, that's been, that's been, you know, a lot of fun and rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That is great. So here's another question. I'm curious of what you're going to say. If you could have one billboard and you could put whatever you wanted on it, and a lot of people are going to see it, what would it say? Well, one of um, the things Jeff Bezos says is you have to be willing to be misunderstood to do hard things, right, to, to make change happen. Uh, and, and I think that oftentimes leaders, especially when it comes to innovating or changing their business, they have to be comfortable with being misunderstood. And what I mean is not so much internally, but externally. And so whether it's investors or competitors or customers or whatever is, um, you have to be willing to mis- be misunderstood if you're really going to change the game. And so I think as a, if, if you want to innovate, you have to be willing to be misunderstood. And I think uh, Amazon and a lot of other companies, they get a lot of scrutiny on like, you know, why are they messing with this? You know, why is Google doing this or why is Amazon doing that or whatever? And it's like those types of leaders and companies, you know, they're, they're willing to make mistakes. They're willing to be misunderstood. Mm, very good. And yep, that that's un- can be uncomfortable, but if you know your plan and you know your metrics and you have a good idea where you're going, you'll you'll weather that. That's great. And and, and again, I, that you know that's when you're really innovating is when it's mm-hmm. that all of that's not clear, and you can't explain yourself, or you don't want to explain yourself, or you don't know what the outcome is. You know that's how true innovation happens. Yep. Yep. Great. Have to be willing to be misunderstood. Being a leader is not always comfortable, is it? <laughs> no, but especially with external parties, you know, and everything, yeah. right? So, right. so I think that's that's really what that's pointed to. I think internally, it's important to be well understood, and um, and you should work hard at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to uh, close with a final question, and it's to ask you to share some advice or wisdom that you want every leader who's listening to this to take away from this call and this discussion about accountability. What what would you say? Well, I guess my uh, special ad or, or advice out of this, and we've talked about it extensively, is focus on the metrics of your business and accountability relative to those those metrics and be very thoughtful slow down the conversation around thinking about what the metrics should be in your business and and that will that will help you understand goals better and it will help the team perform at a higher level and and give that elusive you know accountability and the right results that we're all looking for right it's the engine, or it's the it's the horsepower start with the, having the metrics right. That's right. Amazing. And there's yep. there's lots of other things. It's not a singular item, but if I if no. I'm asked for one, I think that would yeah. be it. Yeah, many pieces to the puzzle, but right. you can get that exactly. right and focus there. 
then that that begins the right movement. Sounds like that's right. Yep. Well, it has been a pleasure having you on the call today and having you share your wisdom. Uh, I will share with everyone how to reach you and um, uh, encourage everybody to read John's book and to consider having John help you in your company, and I will provide specifics around that. So that is uh, it. Thank you so much, John. Perfect. I really appreciate the opportunity and, and great discussion. You do a great job. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I hope that you were able to get insights that you could take away and use right away to help build accountability in your organization. I wanted to take a moment and recap the three principles that John said are most tightly aligned with building accountability. The first one was leaders are right a lot. And John talked about details, diving deep, metrics, knowing what's right, having enough experience and intuition to decide. And I want to read you some of the verbiage around that principle. Uh, Leaders are right a lot. They have strong business judgment and good instincts. They seek diverse perspectives and work to disconfirm their beliefs. Did you catch that last sentence? They seek diverse perspectives and work to disconfirm their beliefs. So it's an interesting take on leaders are right a lot. So if you want to be right a lot, you better be very curious and you better listen to others' perspectives and others' beliefs and be open to disconfirming your current beliefs. So that is just such an interesting take and it's very smart. So leaders are right a lot. Second principle that John talked about that tightly aligns with building accountability is having a bias for action. So you got to know the right time to analyze and the right time to take action. And the specific verbiage around that particular principle is speed matters in business. Many decisions and actions are reversible and do not need extensive study. We value calculated risk-taking. Calculated risk-taking. And the third principle, which is actually my favorite because you don't always see it in organizations. And when you do see it, you see an organization that is moving faster and they have high trust with each other. And that principle is be vocally self-critical. So when you're vocally self-critical and you talk about what didn't go right and you own up to it very quickly and you, and you buy into how you're going to move forward without excuses, you demonstrate that you're on top of your business and that when you act that way, it gives you permission to challenge others. And you know, so you're challenging yourself and you're revealing when you didn't meet some standard or some something happened and you, you speak up. Um, it builds trust with other people, too, so that you're real. It's authentic. And then here's some of the verbiage around that particular principle, be vocally self-critical, um, that's written around the principles. How can we get better? Speak up and make sure the truth is heard. Honest feedback. Open your kimono. There is simply no other way. You blend humility and will. So being vocally self-critical, the, the best visual in my mind, think about a silk robe and you're opening the kimono. And so what? You're bare. You're revealing. There's no secrets. So if you're having an open the kimono type meeting or your meetings are more like that, then everybody shares all the information they have with everybody else. So there's no protecting your silo or watching your back. 
Um, there's no holding back. So that's my favorite. Be vocally self-critical. It's so much easier once you're doing it is to be transparent than to spend so much energy covering up what might be wrong. You don't get speed with that. You don't get customer obsession with that. You don't make great decisions with that. That's why trust, we always talk about trust so much, is um, because if I trust you, then I will open the kimono. And, um, and, and if you have an organization that that's what's talked about and the, all leaders from top to bottom are talking about and sh- demonstrating being vocally self-critical or being honest and straightforward, uh, there's a lot of power in that. I'll have all 14 principles um, from the Amazon way on the show notes page at pricelessprofessional.com slash Amazon. There are, as I've mentioned, four episodes around accountability, and you can find those at the wakeupeagerworkforce.com page, wakeupeagerworkforce.com. That's all one word. And those are episodes number 19, 20, 21, and 22. And uh, in those episodes, what we've done is the first one, 19, is about REV. It's a three-step process to help leaders take action when performance isn't as strong as you'd like. And uh, REV stands for three different actions you can take. Uh, this episode number 20 is the dashboard. Those, that's a way to create metrics with an employee around what's expected. And I love that that got backed up today in this interview. Episode 21, of course, is this interview. And episode 22, I'm actually going to give you, we're going to drill down another step uh, below Rev and dashboard. And we're going to go into a four-step process for having an effective conversation. So when expectations are not being met and you're still still learning or creating a culture of honest and straightforward, how do you do that? How do you be honest and straightforward and also get buy-in, potential buy-in from the employee you need uh, to hear and understand uh, what's working and what's not working? So I'm going to share that step with you. It's a four-step process. I use the letters WPSA. So we'll talk more about that. You can... Um, uh, also download our, my app. It's free. There's an iPhone app that is free and uh, you just uh, click it. It'll be on your iPhone or on your iPad. Download it and you can find it at wakeupeagerworkforce.com. And you can also subscribe via iTunes. You'll see a link there for, to do that. You can leave me a comment. I would appreciate that. Any feedback. You can also order John's book at pricelessprofessional.com slash audible, the Amazon way. That is an affiliate link. And you can listen for the book to the book for free if you sign up for a free 30-day trial, and it helps support uh, this podcast. John's going to be speaking at the Prosper Conference early February 2016. It's in Salt Lake City, and I believe the link to that conference is prospershow.com. You can reach John at, at John E. Rossman on Twitter. Uh, his blog is on-amazonamzn.com. Yeah, he's very up-to-date blog, so you will find that interesting. And to reach him directly to speak or uh, ask questions, John E. Rossman at gmail.com. So you can reach me, pricelessprofessional.com slash Susie, S-U-Z-I-E, with your questions, comments, and thoughts. Look forward to our next podcast. Have a great one. Thanks. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 